Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm heartbroken. Tommy Walsh has the ball. Kilkenny have the trophy. It's Kilkenny who are the All Ireland champions for 2009. They are the first team to do four in a row since the 1940s. They've come from a position where they look to be a losing team at the early stages of the second half. But Brian Cody's team had character. They had key players in key areas. They had leaders all over the field. They've shown us what marvellous hurlers they are. So there you are, Brian, the four in a row. Only the second time in the GA's 125-year history, and it was only ever done once before, and that was Cork. And I don't think every team competed then. So realistically, it was the first ever four in a row. It didn't look like it was going to happen. Brian Cody at the full-time whistle did the most awkward jump and kind of turn in the air that I've ever seen. Um, you know, but Kilkenny did it. But for a long, long time, Brian, it didn't look like they were going to do it. No, it didn't. And, and Cody dropped his hat as well. He was making sure to go back after, after his baseball cap. But um, that's probably, the, as you said, the most exciting we've ever seen him. Yeah. Um, but, you know, look, they found a way. Now, the referee certainly helped him. We'll get to that, I'm sure. But um, they still found a way and they closed out the game really, really well. Like Tipperary through the kitchen sink literally at them and yeah. they were out on their feet though for the last five or ten minutes like you know even the the defending for Martin Comfort's goal you could see how laboured it was for those defenders trying to get back into the you know the, the goal scoring area I don't, really yeah, their heads were gone then though like I yeah. mean when when you've put so much into a a match and a half and yeah. look like it's working for you and then get a decision that was completely unfair the, the stadium goes wild and before you actually regather your head another goal's got in mm. and like see 
the thing, like the first half was probably the most intense and physical, like game of hurling. You know, you could see in All Ireland final. It was just phenomenal, and you know, it was relentless. And somehow, same way, Kenny found themselves in front, even though Tipperary had done a huge part of hurling and scores were coming a lot easier to, to Tipperary. But uh, you know, as I say, Kenny just seemed to somehow find a way. And even when Benny Dunn got sent off, you know, Tipperary took over for the next couple of minutes. You know, yeah. he leaned down a man. So. Like they had opportunities, did a couple of poor wides though at, at key points, you know, where they kind of maybe took on shots they shouldn't have taken on. I just think that Shane McGrath took took a shot from way out the field. Noel McGrath rushed the shot, and you know, so they, they had opportunities to go even further in front. And you know, as you said, then when they get caught with that those couple of sucker blows, there was no retreating that then. Yeah, so there was confusion at the end. There was a pitch invasion and it wasn't supposed to happen. But it looked like the Stewarts did the right thing because it was a potential crush on Hill 16. And like I think it was Jer Canning said in the commentary, either Kilkenny are winning four in a row or Tipper stopping the four in a row and winning the first one, you know, since 2001. Yeah. Supporters were going to want to get out in the field after this one. The war, and you see, look, the thing with the, the Hill 16 was, was there wasn't the perspex yeah. uh, barrier, you know. So there was, and I'd say that's the reason it was put in after. It was beautiful for fans up there, um, you know, did a much better view of the game on the terrace. But obviously, you know, in terms of the the, the pitch invasions, I suppose that's the reason that that uh, barrier had to go up since then. But yeah, yeah it was probably probably the right call, you know. It was the right call, and like poor Michael Fenley, then I think it was a little bit like Kieran McGinley in his speech in 2002 had to start off his speech by telling the crowd to get back, which really takes the kind of the kind of buzz out of you know what you had prepared. You know, it's like you're starting without that kind of energy that you're getting from the crowd after stepping up there ready to speak. Yeah, and hard enough probably on Fenley too. Obviously, you know that that rule where he was the the captain, but yeah. wasn't the starting on the day, you know. So he looked awkward, didn't he, Brian? Yeah. Like his arms were folded, and like he he did get on the field and scored a point, which at least that was something. So that that would have um, helped him. Out. I actually asked him um, about that. I interviewed him. Jeez, it must have been just when I started off doing the GAR in around that. And here's what he said. I nearly retired. Uh, Really? Yeah, that, that year I think it came around the, the the holiday we had in December. I remember talking to Mike Cavanagh and said, "Look, I give it one more year and I'll see how it goes." Because it, it was my fourth year that year. I was on and off the team um, a good bit, and I did play start some games over those four years, and I did come on a good bit. But for me, I wanted to be playing. Yeah. I wanted to be starting, and and I wasn't getting that, that opportunity. Maybe I wasn't good enough either. I wasn't consistent. I I, I would think back. I suppose yeah, I wasn't consistent in, in my games. Um, and there was heavy competition in midfield. You had Lingers, you had Michael Rice, Chad, and decided to come out around midfield as well. Um, and he was going very, very well there as well. So we had huge competition in that area. So it was always going to be difficult to make it anyway. But but that was uh, that was a difficult year because I I didn't play in the Leinster final at all. And you know at least I came on in the All Ireland and yeah. I got a point and, and at least I played a part in it. And that you know. That made the whole year a bit a bit easier, but you know, realistically, it was a, a tough year. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I would not like to see any player go through that, to be honest, because it's, you know, lifting a cup, uh, in the Leinster final, lifting a cup and not playing, not playing, you know, a second of the game. Uh, it was, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a good time, to be honest, you know, no. and you're questioning an awful lot of things. Yeah, so at least he 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 talked. <laughs> he said of the Leinster final where he didn't get on the field at all. Like, I mean, that was really awkward. And, uh, you know, scoring the point and being involved in the game, maybe that made it easier. But he definitely didn't look like he was ve- he was very comfortable. No. And look, it's it's a it's a mad rule, isn't it? You know, like you can ha- yeah. have, it, have it still, you know, Tipperary had it. That was the last year of it. Like, you know, really Ryan was actually, as we know, the captain yeah. of that All-Ireland. You know, and he, OK, he got on at the end as well. But, 
you know, uh, Tipperary got rid of it after that because, you know, uh, and then like Kerry still have it in the football as well. So it, it's mad that it's still actually going. We understand the tradition of it, but, you know, in this day and age, you would think that uh, it, it would be passed on because, you know, we've had awkward situations. Lester Ryan is another one, obviously, that jumps in yeah. when he when he was sub and obviously he gave a brilliant speech but you know it's very very hard for, for some of these players Isn't it interesting when you hear Michael Fenley I didn't realise like that was his fourth year on the panel and he hadn't cracked in on the team like we're talking about Michael Fenley who you know one of the best midfielders to ever play the game like TJ Reid only coming on the sub in that final like these lads had to earn their stripes yeah, and like Tafis Patrick going the other way, you know. After, yeah. uh, you know, we were raving about him a couple of years ago. He didn't get on. Yeah, previous year, you know, captain and and starring on the team, you know. So it's it just shows that level of of dominance by Kilkenny at that time, and without doubt, the greatest team we've ever seen. Uh, and of any, I know I know it's very hard to compare of any era, but like they did come back and win another couple of All Irelands after Tipperary beat them in 2010 too. So it just shows. Um, how good that team were! It was just it's, it's phenomenal. Like and look, as, as you said, those those three subs they commanded a big impact. Scored one two in the day, and that turned out to be the difference in the end, the five points. Well, I think that's it. When you have Martin Comerford, Michael Fenley, and TJ Reid coming on, you know, on top of the star-studded team, and Chad Fitz not even getting a look in, like that was probably their strongest. Um, you know, probably the strongest mm. time that uh, for that team. We'll talk about the sending off um, first here, Brian, because. Like, I mean, Benny Dunn's sitting on the bench. He comes on nearly every game. Um, he's not a dirty player. He sat there watching John O'Brien, his own club mate and friend, get dominated by Tommy Walsh. Like, let's be honest, he destroyed John O'Brien. Um, you know, he was dying to get on. And he finally gets on. And Tommy Walsh gives him a, a shoulder at one point, just rocks him back a little bit, but nothing major in that. And then they have a little bit of a spock at another puck out, I think, when the ball landed on the ground, there was a coming together. And then obviously the last one where, Jesus Christ, there was no doubt it was a red card here. It was a, a desperate challenge altogether. Yeah, look, it was a red. There's there's, there's no denying that. You know, he pulled head height and caught Tommy. And look, and, and, and fairness to Tommy, he, like, it just shows the measure of the man. He just jumped up off his feet. You know, he took the belt, yeah. he went down and he goes, you know, and we all do, you know, you, you, you go down straight away. But then he goes, do you know what? I'm actually okay. You know, I'm yeah. not split. And yeah. he just jumped up and I just thought, you know, what a moment from, from you know, a full-blooded player. He's obviously not maybe pulled across someone's head, but he's, you know, he's pulled hard and, and played tough down through the years and he's shown he's well able to take it too. Um, big moment. But look, I think a bit of context to that, I think, is, is important too because I remember I was sitting behind kind of the Tipperary the dugout in, um, at that game and Benny Dunn was actually warmed up previous, just a couple of minutes earlier because it looked like Pat Curl was going to come off. He was after getting a belt on the head and he was he was called down on the stand to warm up. And then, you know, Sheedy, you know, decided then, right, okay, John O'Brien, you know, needs to come off. So Benny's coming on and he spent about a minute or two psyching Benny Dunn up and really now roaring in his face, getting him psyched up to the hill. So when Benny comes on and gets the nod to go on, Tommy actually retreats back into the corner. You know, he does, you know, in trying to avoid that big, you know, come together that we often see with some right. to come on. So Tommy actually backpedals about 40 yards. You know, he's in the right half back position. So you have to picture this over the Cusick stand side, backpedals right into the corner. And I kind of think to myself, what's he doing? But it becomes obvious then 
you know, by the time Benny Dunn gets across the field, the ball has been poked out. There's no coming together. They have to go running after the ball and avoids those that potential flash or, or that yellow card moment that, that, you know, Tommy obviously didn't want to pick up at that stage of the game. Right. So like Tommy, Jesus, he's fairly cute, isn't he, Tommy? In the middle mm-hmm. of an All-Ireland final, sees a sub coming in, goes, this lad might be coming in to give me, put a bit of manners on me. Let's avoid him giving me that, you know, first dunt and I'll wait back here until the poke out comes and run off for it. <laughs> Would, would, yeah, he, like, would he be thinking like that, do you think? But sure, he must have been. You know, why yeah. else did he do it? Because yeah. it's brilliant. Like, Tommy's not one that would be afraid of confrontation. He, he no. Was, you know, he never went back from anyone in his career. But that just shows the level of probably hurling intelligence that he had that right, right now, that's not what we need. You know, I don't need a yellow card. I don't need to front up to someone. This game's already physical enough, you know, yeah. um, w- without having to pick up a probably a needless yellow card because you know Benny he wasn't a dirty hurler but by God he was a tough hurler and he was able to pull too when, when needed be Right okay so like I mean Benny was interviewed in the Independent and this is what he said he said it was a line ball coming up about head height obviously I, re- I reacted to something that happened he said it was something I leave that to your observation but it wasn't as if I turned around and tried to take his head off for absolutely no reason let's be fair it mightn't have been much but it was enough to allow the red mist to come down pull it up yourself when you go home and look at it in super slow motion you can see it for yourself something happened that allowed me to turn and lash out. Now, I have to say, I was watching it on YouTube. I didn't get a chance with the children in the house to watch it on TG Cahar yesterday, and it was too blurry, and I slowed it down loads of times, and I couldn't see what Tommy had done to him. Yeah, and I actually do understand what Benny's saying there. So, Tommy going up to catch, no, he's the same himself. He doesn't deserve a, like a cut across someone's head, but you know, he's trying to justify why that red mist came over, and, and I understand that. You know, Tommy went up to catch the ball and left the hand of the hurl into the side of the head of Benny Dunn. Do you know, like, like that's part of hurling. Do you know, right. it's, I'm not trying to say uh, he deserved to get his head cut off over it, you know, and even Benny Dunn saying that. Um, but he, you know, he left the hand of the hurl up into Benny Dunn's side of his head, enough of a nudge to kind of, Jesus, that hurt. Uh, not and that's that's done on purpose. That's not done that by accident. That's done as a, that's a little tact, you know, something that yeah, you want to put him off. That's what all... Anyone facing a, a, a ball for a, for a, a, a puck out or a high ball, you know, you, you use your spare hand. You know what I mean? You're you're putting your your the hurl that's uh, or the hand that's holding the hurl. You put it up to protect, you know, your catching hand. And if if you can nudge them inside of the head or whatever, nudge their hurl. Of course, you're doing that. You know, so okay. no, I think it's par for the course. But I I see what Benny's saying as well at the same time. You know, right. I'm not I'm not trying to say that. You know, and and, and as I said, I'll, I'll repeat that. Benny's not trying to say. He, he, he shouldn't have pulled across Tommy's head but he, he's trying to justify why he got tick you know right right as he walked past uh, uh, Sheedy Liam Sheedy then Sheedy says alright alright to him like he acknowledged him and like you wonder was Sheedy kind of half regretting then having Benny wound up to the nines or maybe just Benny was wound up watching it anyways that's he alluded to that as well you know the intensity to the game and you know just dying to get in yeah, like I, I think there's a bit of both in that. Being honest, you know, like Sheedy at first, you could see him he, when the camera pans him first. He's disgusted. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was going to ignore him. him. He was going to ignore him, and he goes, "Oh no, I can't," because <laughs> it's like what I said. I think he spent so long geeing him up that you know he had to kind of acknowledge it that he, in some shape or form, he probably did play a little part in having Benny so wired up going in there. You know. Yeah, no, it's a good. So we're mentioning in the in the commentary that Tommy Walsh played on the edge, and they were talking about that or whatever, and. Like, I mean, maybe I was just blind to this because I loved him as a player so much. Like, was he a dirty whore on the field? Uh, Tommy, yeah. Like, yeah, Tommy 
it he did play in the edge. There's no point saying any otherwise. Did he did he go around with dirty slaps? No. No, the ball no, was he always didn't do in, that. Yeah. Know, no, the ball was always in the vicinity. And that he quotes that one before from Ring, like, you know, if the ball's there, pull. That, <laughs> that, that kind of was his approach, you know. So yeah, by God, you knew if you were marking Tommy or you were in the vicinity of Tommy for for a ball, you knew he, he was hurling. Like I go to a simple example. I remember playing uh we were training uh, for Leinster down in Carlow um, one one evening it was you know winter evening and down playing a bit of backs and forwards because not everyone could attend training that night and I got a ball and went to skip around Tommy and you know he he lettered me like you know in, in the tackle right. <laughs> whatever I put the ball over the bar and I kind of looked at him and said what was that about and he's like what's wrong with you like you know this is hurling like so that's just the way Tommy hurled as far as I'm concerned it was tough hurling you know you see Owen Kelly doing the exact same look at the way Owen Kelly tackled uh, happened about five times in the game when a guy went to go around him. Owen comes with a half a hurl swinging um, at a lad to try and try and stop him with his yeah. hurl, not, not with his body. So you know it's it's so it's, it's not stuff it's not stuff I would really notice that easily no, if I didn't play. Yeah, no, exactly, and like they hurt because you know they 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 and they're meant to hurt. And you see the other side of it is in big games like that, a lot more physicalities let go, and some of it has got to do with the crowd as well. The referee can't hear a slap. You know, you can't hear right. the belt of a hurl across someone or anything like that. Whereas in, in some of the, you know, the games you might see, maybe in National League or, or, or club games or whatever, you'll hear that slap of a hurl and, and crowd, there'll be a new out of the crowd and, you know, freeze are given a lot more easier for that. Whereas in those big games, a hell of a lot more gets let go because the referee can't hear that, um, you know, the slap, as I'm saying. Okay, that's in that's interesting one. So the big point, the big talking point of the game was the penalty. That was the big turning point. Like you would safely say that without the penalty, Kilkenny were in big trouble. Nobody knows, obviously, they're such a brilliant team, but they were definitely in big, big trouble. And it was never a penalty. Like it was either a free out for overcarrying or it was a free in for a foul, which the foul happened, you know, much earlier. Like there, a penalty was so far down the list of, you know, outcomes for this. Yeah, I, I, you know, you're like, that is the only way you can summarize that. It was one or the other, whichever way he wanted to call it. I think it was arguably steps first and then it was definitely a free you know he definitely got pulled back yeah but under no circumstances was it a penalty you know um no you, you, you couldn't understand where a penalty was given out of it now what a penalty you know oh yeah um, like big moment in the ireland step up you know the king himself henry and you know a thing to notice as well went for cummins's weak side you know cummins the left-hander so went to go up the one place he you know, Cummins will be slow as getting to up over Cummins' left shoulder. You know, now he just, in fairness, Cummins just gets a hurl to it. Yeah. Uh, and he's turning, he thinks, maybe I'm after saving this. And then he realizes the ball's in the back of the net. So very, very unlucky. But, you know, you know, that's something that, you know, free takers or, or you know, people have been, it's been taught down through the years, you know, try and go to a, the keeper's weak side, you know. So um, br- brilliant from Shefflin. But, you know, I definitely agree with you. It, it wasn't a penalty. Here's uh, JJ Delaney, who was at our live show in Liberty Hall before last year's All Ireland final, um, giving his view on whether it was a penalty or not. It wasn't a penalty, and that makes it even better. I'm <laughs> 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 no problem saying that whatsoever. <laughs> it definitely wasn't a penalty, but we still won the game, so it makes no difference. <laughs> so there you are, Brian. Like, I mean, they, they, glad that people in Kilkenny don't care. Whether, yeah. it was a, whether it was a penalty or not. Like, I mean, this is Tipperary. They got a fortuitous call and they're absolutely loving the fact that they got it. 
<laughs> when you win and, and <laughs> you do four in a row of your bitter rivals Tipperary of course you don't care uh, no it doesn't take but one bit I'm sure for them and uh, sure they actually love the fact that there is a bit of controversy about it as well so that actually nearly rubs it in even a little bit more so ah, look sure it's it's tit for tat because Tipperary then on, on the flip side of that can rub it in about the five in a, stopping the five in a row yeah. the year after so you know both points hurt for both of them I suppose it comes back to the, the rivalry but look but it's just it's just it's just Brian the injustice of it right so Brendan Cummins sprints out off his line I never saw him losing his head like this you know and this is you know one of the three players that have played in 2001 like one of the leaders and he's losing his head and he's clearly losing his head because everybody there knew that that was a an awful um, decision you've put so much into the game and like I said then the ball's poked out the stadium's going wild and before they know it there's another one gone in Maybe Tip learned a le- maybe Tip learned a lesson from that, you know. Like I mean, I do I do think that Tip's heads went, and if your heads go in a cauldron like that with five minutes to go, like you know, Kilkenny ran in a pretty easy goal then. Yeah, well, I think look, a couple of things. I'll come back to that point in a second because I fully agree with you. But the play from Michael Kavanagh is one of the all-time plays in any All Ireland. You know, to stay on. Just keep the ball in play after sliding out over the sideline. Oh, it was yeah. just unbelievable. You know, to, to have the presence in mind, um, you know, to be able to do that. And then obviously a long clearance down the field and they got lucky. But I, I fully agree with your point. Like Tipperary, they really came at Kilkenny in that 2009 National Hurling League final. That's where it all started, you know, and that went to extra time. And that was an absolute thriller in Turles. You know, it was it was phenomenal. So that's where that gave them this confidence going into this All-Ireland. I think the All-Ireland, look, as I said, Tipperary threw the kitchen sink at them. But they ran out, they ran out of steam, I thought, towards the end. You know, they, they, they'd invested so much in it physically, emotionally. They were spent going down the home straight, you know, and... They, they needed to be probably much more in, in front. They'd left Kilkenny in the game and it was dangerous. So I think they learned a huge amount from it. But I have to give massive respect to Tipperary and, and their backroom team and the players. Instead of saying, you know, it just shows the difference in mindset. Instead of saying, God, we threw the kids thinking them and we still couldn't beat them. They went, no, we have them now. You know, they said, they yeah. came back for a third goal to say, look, we've created massive goal opportunities. If we nail them, we will beat them. You know, and that's kind of yeah. That's where you have to give them massive, massive respect. Yeah. So after the game, uh, Brian Cody, a delighted Brian Cody, um, spoke with Marty Morrissey and they discussed the four in a row. And Brian was in great form. And then Brian brought up um, Henry Shefflin scoring the penalty, and Marty made a big mistake um, following that. So we'll have a listen to that. This guy Henry stood up to a penalty, the toughest penalty he was ever going to face in his life. You know, everything riding on it, he just buried it. You know, and. And was it a penalty, Brian, do you think? Well, Dermot Kerwin certainly gave a penalty. I mean, I, I, if you want to start wondering about all of the freeze in, in the course of the game, you'll have a fairly fairly busy time. Did you think yourself it was a penalty, Marty? Well, I, I wasn't too sure, but it, it just seemed a little bit dodgy in, in the replay. I have no idea, Marty. Did you check all the other freeze as well to see where they dodgy <laughs> also? Maybe you should. Yeah, so it was interesting that Marty didn't even question Brian Cody on the penalty. It was, it was Cody that had brought it up, and then Marty kind of apologetically asked him, did he think it was, and then it went pear-shaped. But like, I mean, the, the funny thing about that interview is like, I mean, it's all a matter of opinions. I was sitting at home watching that match or with my father. I remember that interview happening and the father saying, he's dead right. What are you doing asking that stuff after four in a row? And I went, will you stop? He is entitled to ask it. Cody was being 
completely rude there. So like we were completely arguing and split about who was right and who was wrong. Like Cody's kind of came back and said, did you check all the other frees to see they if they were dodgy? And like you can't compare a free in the second minute with a penalty that completely changed the whole entire game. Ah, oh, look, I think it's one of those iconic kind of moments, isn't it? Like the, the whole in, interview. I'd forgotten that Cody actually was the one that brought it up, as you said. Yeah. You know, you know Paul Marty then actually came out with that famous line. So, uh, you know. I think, I think, I think Brian, though, the, the thing about it was, Marty, the, the, the penalty question was grand. The, the mistake Marty made was asking about the referee after that, because I didn't think yeah. the referee, outside of that one penalty decision which was wrong I didn't think the referee favoured either team I don't know what you thought I think the probably the other sticking point from Tip, from Tipperary's perspective was the hit on Canlon in the open couple of minutes where Jack ah, yeah. turned, them, turned them upside down and defended that, that was a, that was yeah. a free in and the ball went down the other end of the field and there was a chop but it was pretty small chop and can Kenny get the free in, you know? So there was strong rumours going around that, you know, uh, you know, bet, bets that were on and, you know, for Kenny to score first, like all this sort of rubbish was going around, you know? Um, but like, Kerwin let a lot go. He, he added to it because he let the physicality stakes be be ramped up so much. Uh, I, I thought so. So apart well, from actually, that, I don't think I, actually, there's another free that springs to my mind. Richie Power got the handiest free when he had Paddy Mars face guard, and Paddy Mar did nothing. Oh, yeah, about. yeah, that was another free that definitely Kerwin got wrong for Kilkenny. Yeah, because yeah, he 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 judged that you know Paddy was lying on the ball. Yeah, he was. He, he was lying all right. He probably was on the ball, but he had no intention of doing it. He was, he didn't know where he was. And power <laughs> pulls his, his face guard. He definitely didn't know what was going on. So yeah, that was, that was probably a soft one. All right. Definitely. Yeah. But like, you know, on, on the balance of play, I thought he just let things go. It yeah. Was, it yeah. Was a hugely, huge physical battle. Tipperary got a couple of frees where um, they went down in the challenge with their heads. You know, Paddy Mar got Polak's there at one stage, but he put his head down into the into the shoulder. You know, I was talking about Pat Corwick or earlier. He went um, he went in, down into it. Now a free wasn't given for that one as well. So, but uh, you know, I just thought you know, apart from that penalty, which was a massive call. You know, I I, I think Corwin just generally let the try to let the game flow. Yeah, no, he definitely did. Listen, there's so much to talk about from that game, uh, Brian. We'll leave it there for now because Eddie Brennan has joined us on the line now. Eddie, how's it going? Not too bad at all. No, what are you all good? Um, yesterday, I don't know if you are aware, but you won in All Ireland as a player, and you managed least to beat Dublin um, in the in the court in the qualifiers. So you had a very successful day. Yeah, and with the mother and father of a session on our own last night individually, so look, it was all. <laughs> It was all good. Yeah, look, I just um it was it was um yeah, I see the T G four goals, yeah, the O nine All Ireland was um it was it was a good one all right and um but then I suppose to cap it off last night we could sit back and, and, and enjoy, you know, the seventh of July last year. So um yeah, look there were there were I suppose both uh, unbelievable experiences in, in different ways. Yeah, come here. We we were talking here at the start of the show about the trophy presentation. So the camera was kind of going to all your faces, and you're always we're all looking a little bit like what's going on here. Obviously, the crowd burst on the field, but I'm sure you were given strict instructions that you you would be getting the you know the cup in the middle of the field. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. It was something that was kind of mentioned in the run up to us, and uh, I suppose you know we were we were looking at. It was something that, yeah, we just took on board and 
you know, you put it on the back burner, you don't worry about it till, till, till it's time to deal with something like that. But yeah, I think we were starting to gather at that area at the time and then you could just see, we started talking and said, this isn't going to happen. So we just kind of made a beeline to the front of the Hogan Sand because uh, I think the famous Plan B uh, picture went up on the yeah. big screen there. So that was it and, and cue all the, I suppose, the Kilkenny supporters. And thankfully, look, there was nobody injured because I think that was a, a big concern afterwards that people were, were, were kind of making such efforts to get on the pitch and enjoy the moment. And, and then obviously, look, the following year, then the Cork Park made sure with the, with the barriers open and the rest is history. Yeah, come here. Another thing is the parade cut across the middle of the field instead of going the whole way down. What was the reason for that? I don't know. It's something that that amuses me from time to time. Other times they go down along the Hogan and across Hill 16 and up the far side. I yeah. don't know what the the thinking is or what the the the, the idea of it is, but uh, you'd imagine that. Uh, it'll be kind of fairly uh, consolidated now at this stage and it's just the same parade the whole time. I don't know, maybe there was an issue. If, I suppose everything is run in such a strict time on the day that perhaps if, if as they're taking off, they're looking at it going, they aren't going to get the whole way around. So maybe ah, I get you, yeah. Version, but yeah. Possibly something like that. But um, it doesn't, I suppose it doesn't. We were, I remember even Noel Hickey talking about that before, about the, the parade uh, going back a few years before that. He said, just he said, whatever it is makes you happy. He said, or whatever. But he said, you know, uh, keep your focus. You know, if it's head down, he said, don't even mind what's going up in the stands and just picture the first ball. And 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 everyone is different. I think some people like to to kind of look up in the, in the stands a little bit. And for something that I think we know us and we spoke about it maybe a year or two afterwards was that. Tipperary seem to do an awful lot of looking up into the stand that day and they seem to be quite giddy in the parade so um, look I don't know these are just little things you, you, you maybe latch on to afterwards well, that's the thing. If you win the game and you don't look up, you're focused. And if you win, <laughs> if, if you win the game and you do look up, you're relaxed. <laughs> I suppose yeah. that's the way. It depends that, who wins. It's probably just it's individually. I think, Woolly. You know, certain times you kind of people pass on advice. Pass on advice about you know do this, do that, do the other, or whatever it is. I think it's like uh, I think the Stereophonics had a, had a, an album there. You have to go there to come back, and and I think that's the reality. You have to maybe make your own mistakes in life. Yeah, you can kind of look at what someone else but There's no one fits all. So if, if some guys are happy to look up and take in the atmosphere, it, it maybe pumps them up a little bit. Um, and others then just like to keep the head down and just get ready. Exactly. Joe Canning said in commentary that G had the hurlies in your hand the whole way from Kilkenny on the bus. Was that right? No. <laughs> Where did he come up with that one? I don't know. I don't know. Definitely, that that was that was something that never happened on the bus. Thank you. Because, um, there be, be so much. There was there was good old sneer on the bus. So I, I think the hurls were better off left in the boot because they, they might have been used on each other coming up. But um, no, I don't know where he got wind of that. Right. So maybe you were coming off the bus with hurls from your warm up or something, and you know nearby, and he thought that you were. I don't know. I don't know. Should we be only second guessing? I'd say a few lads might have. Some lads, I think maybe they they just put on a new grip or something like that. I don't know. Right, right, okay. Camira, it was a super game though, right? The physicality jumped straight out anyways. Like, I mean, if you idled on the ball for even a second or two, you were swarmed. Yeah, it was. And and I think what was even sometimes lost, and someone spoke about it there recently, I think again, TG4 might have shown it, but I think the 2009 league final, which went extra time in Turles, was yeah. um an abs- was an absolute belter of a game and and I suppose <laughs> a lot of the stuff was fairly close to the line but it just teed up the final the All Ireland in in '09 that game like and it just meant that look there was going to be a fierce high intensity to it and and I remember recall that distinctly looked at the the ball was flying up and down the pitch at a ferocious pace 
I think positions even too we talk about the way the game has evolved even then you know I recall Lark Corbett scoring a point that day he picked it up on his own 45 so yeah. um, I think it was just literally it was just it was it was blink uh, or, or you know it, that was the way it was it was it was it was a bit of a stare down and there was just going to be sometimes I think even Brian said it was you just go you just don't even think you just go and uh, I think there was a couple of fairly big hits early on I think uh, you know Jackie and, and, she, and Seamus the one and Seamus Callan is the one that kind of probably got a nice bit of traction but yeah like you said there there was very very little time to, to, to ponder on a ball you got a split second to move away with it and if not there was you were just going to get swallowed up that's the thing because like I mean I'm sure after the league final like your impression of Tipperary probably changed you know they had the good young players coming through and there seemed, they seemed to be making a, a big effort to match your intensity you know on the working half forward line definitely yeah I think uh, we met them in the league in Nolan Park and, and there was a there was a big score difference in it and there was no doubt then that, that Liam Sheedy you know identified when we got to the league final that there was going to be no backward steps and uh, I think I remember, you know, Dermot Crowe famously wrote that the league was was a bit of a disgrace. And Sherlock Nan said it was the greatest game of all time. <laughs> he thought it was the best thing ever. He said it was, he, he loved it. But um, that was probably setting the, the tone. And then, look, obviously in the build up to it, it's it's just, um, it's a case of intensity. Like, I mean, sometimes you can go with a setup or something like that. But I think other times then it's just literally, you know, roll up the sleeves and we just go at it. And, and I think that was what, what, what happened on the day. Um, there was just um, just a, a real mad intensity to it. Like that, I think the only times there was breath drawn was when there was a few frees given. Yeah, no, that was it. And you were out on the wing. Like, I mean, was that what was the thing, thinking behind there? You like, you gave Brendan Mara a right tough time in the first half, and then I suppose you, Kilkenny never really got into the game in the second half. Yeah, it was. It was sometimes we. I think Brian used to do that. That you would be named. Uh, I was wearing thirteen, but they played ten on the day and. I think it was just maybe to put lads thinking a little bit. Um, and it worked at times, other times not. But um, at the time, I was I was kind of hurling out the wing a good bit around that time, and, and maybe moving in and out. So it was grand. I, I I liked it out there because you were stuck in the middle of it, and um, it was great. To, like we got on a few balls in that match. I thought what the difference was in the first half was Tip had to work fierce hard for their scores. We we seemed to be able to find a man. You know, we seemed to be able to find someone. You know, outside and and, and slip the points. But um, in the second half, it's actually interesting it was a stat that, that arrived on our doorstep maybe not until 2011 but uh, in the second half uh, I would think the first 13 of our own puckouts uh, clean or, or on breaks we only won one Jesus so Tipperary just absolutely wiped us out off our own puckouts in the second half and I think the first one we won um, was a point that Michael Fenley got when he came in so he came in with about maybe 17 80 minutes to go so that'll just tell you how 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 much Tipperary were in that match and and, and obviously then PJ Ryan you know had had his, the game of his life as man of the match that day yeah, geez, like you set up Michael Fenley for that one. And then to Henry got a great point and TJ Reid got a really important point as well. You were clinging on at that stage though. Like, Realistically, until the penalty, Eddie, there only looked like one winner in the second half. Yeah, they did. They, they looked to be, um, they were very strong. And I suppose the reality was, uh, the difference was the following year when Tip met us, they converted the chances. The, you know, in 2009, they didn't convert. And, and that was probably largely down to PJ Ryan and the goal because he, he brought up yeah. definitely four or five really good saves. Owen Kelly slipped for another one. So we definitely rode our luck that day. And, um, you know, it was something that was very much the narrative afterwards. But, you know, um, it, sometimes you have to wait. And, and we've just spoken about that, that, that sometimes in an arm wrestle, you have to wait and wait and wait. And it might, the game might only open up 
five or six minutes to go and, and that came in the form of, of a very questionable penalty. Yeah, no, definitely did. We were speaking about that. Like, I mean, um, it was JJ talking at our live show in Liberty Hall said there was no way it was a penalty. That's what made it all the better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, especially where JJ is from there, I think I think JJ's mother is even possibly, uh, or no, it's PJ's, PJ's mother, I think, is uh, or PJ's a lot of cousins up, up, up to Brary. But Johnstown, yeah, to be a Nording for there, they're very close to the border. But uh, uh, yeah, look, I think when you look back on it, um, there's no doubt I think there was some kind of a foul there anyway but I think uh, to say that it was in the square we we, we definitely got lucky with that um, because uh, I think if it was conceded against you you'd definitely be you'd definitely be uh, I suppose a bit um, a bit you know questionable or you'd be a bit annoyed maybe but I think that sometimes when you know you, you get a decision like that other times you don't and uh, I think they're the ones that you don't you know I suppose you just you have to take the roughest mood yeah, Claire, that was probably the best run of form of your career, was it? You'd been man of the match in the previous two finals, and you're you're in the shake up for this one then as well. Uh, yeah, I suppose I was just able to bring a level of consistency to your game. I I I would have spoken about this before that I think the first couple of years you land into a, an intercounty setup, you're just going from day to day, match to match, train to train. You don't necessarily worry about the match until you kind of get on the pitch or in the dressing room and I think then you get to a stage maybe through the middle of it I felt anyway that you kind of think you have it cracked and you maybe take yourself a little bit too seriously and then as you get older look you, you probably find that the mental side of the game that you're able to get into a routine that has you just mentally ready and, and relaxed and it's it's probably balanced as, as much as anything like you find what works for you just that it has you at the pitch and uh, at that stage look I was probably enjoying my hurling really really well at that stage and um, it was just you were just on top of that side of things through that phase and, and like anything too I think you get the you, you need a bit of luck as well and, and you know on that day a couple of balls broke out to me and I was able to convert them like so I think I think it that year in general we had really rode our luck in different matches Galway put us to the pin of our collar area in the year we, you know Dublin and the National and the Leinster final you know Martin Colford got two goals so what was happening was that at different stages each you know individual players were popping up with contributions and that was probably what got us home at the end you know Henry was quiet maybe in the first half and then you know came alive in the second half got a point from play and then you know to, to step up and convert the penalty and I remember being quite close to him at the time and he kind of was, you know, what what do you do here? And we we're kind of going, well, there's only one thing you can do, Henry. We need a goal, and 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 like you just go. <laughs> At that stage, I was glad it was him was taking the freeze and and, and not me because uh, you know you, you need your big players to step up in those situations. You know, even the football there yesterday, they think they they showed the Donegal carry like Mike and Murphy. So that's what your big players do, and and that was where you know Henry really uh, answered the call. Yeah, there, was the, there must have been mad pressure on that penalty altogether, like, I mean, the four in a row riding on it. Come here, you mentioned the start when you were starting off your career. I was reading that you never played minor and you only played one year under 21. And then you had the unenviable task of trying to shift Charlie Carter, who was a darling of the Kilkenny supporters off the off the team. Yeah, I suppose um, I hadn't, what I hadn't played was I, I hadn't played senior championship with my club and, and I played in the 2000 All-Ireland before that happened. I, I had picked up an injury the year before and I just ruled me out of the club championship. So um, it's uh, it's a it's a funny one, all right. And uh, I'd never played minor with Kenny and then just the last year with the 21s I got in and that was on the back of maybe a Fitzgibbon campaign. So it's a, yeah, it's a funny one really. But there was a few of us there like myself would say... Uh, I think Martin Comerford and Derek Ling all would have never played minor with Kenny. Um, so 
I suppose it it just maybe there's a time coming when it just that maybe the penny drops so you get the breaks and, and and things start to happen for you. So um, we didn't go through the the, the usual uh, academies. No, and did you go for trials at minor and stuff and not make it, or were you just kind of no, like, not bothered? No, and never really got the opportunity. But I'll be honest, I probably wasn't taking the hurling that seriously. I, I thought right. it was a good game back then, um, <laughs> and it was only then I, I I I thought it was a good hurling. But no, I I suppose I just. It was more the engagement side of it. I had to like, like you were, you have skill, and everyone has skill. And even Brian Cody often said to us, he said that he fancied himself to still put the ball over the bar if he was standing on his own forty-five yards out. But you have to be willing to win and, and dig the ball out, and that was maybe what what changed a small bit that you realised you weren't going to have it had that you. But I was lucky enough. Then you know, strangely enough, he ended up maybe fighting for a jersey with Charlie. But I loved playing beside Charlie. I played a couple of matches with him and same with DJ. I played in the full forward line one evening with Charlie and DJ and it was just a dream to play with them because if you got in the right position, DJ would give you the ball and same with Charlie. They they, they always you know took good decisions and that was the reason I suppose they, they did so well with their clubs as well that any time Charlie and DJ lined out for their club, they were brilliant. They were just so hard to, to deal with them and I've seen them inside for county finals and particularly the, the four or five county finals and when uh, James Stevens beat Gorn, DJ gave an absolute exhibition. And going in, playing with lads like that does make it easy. And, and look, unfortunately, the, the, the nature of the beast is you are competing for the same jersey sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Come here, you're a Garda, so you must be flat out at the moment uh, with the distancing and the five kilometre, you know, restrictions and stuff like that. Yeah, it's busy. It's but it, to be fair, look, I, I think we're after getting a great response off the public. I think the vast, vast majority of people are doing the right thing, and uh, I think that was even the concern today. Um, I suppose it's going from week to week, day to day, on where this sits and what's going to happen. But um, today, you're kind of hoping that people don't lose the run of themselves either. That they kind of keep 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 the keep the keep sticking to the plan and, and little by little it'll improve hopefully like I'd, I'd say uh, there was a lot of lads couldn't wait for the, the there was, I'd say there was queues going into golf courses this morning and places <laughs> I, 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 I passed Woody's in Kilkenny earlier on today and geez, there was an almighty queue outside so um, yeah look I, I suppose people just crave a bit of normality and uh, maybe to move a little bit more but look hopefully we'll uh, we'll, we'll keep doing the unnecessary stuff and, and, and hold on you know keep the, the the guidelines in mind no matter what and, and little by little we, we'll get it back hopefully well, What's your thoughts on the GA's decision to wait until July the 20th to reopen the pitches Eddie based on your experience of seeing how the public you know is following the social distancing and the guidelines and how responsible they are Yeah it's, it's going to be interesting to be honest I, I'm not sure like I, I just I'd like to see some kind of regs as to how they propose to deal with um you know, people coming in, like when you think of the actual dynamics of a team arriving in, do they go to a dressing room? You know, what happens with their physio? You know, team talks, all that kind of stuff, because that's stuff that we're going to have to look at and, and, and maybe with the clubs, what they're looking at doing is, is, is you know, guys coming in their gear and going straight onto the pitch. But even still, you know, it's very much a contact sport. I mean, the social distance, and I'd have loved it for defenders. They had to stay two metres away. <laughs> yeah, it would have been brilliant. But uh, I don't know how it's all going to work. And look, we'd we'd love it. Don't get me wrong, we'd all love it. Um, any form of a bit of sport and a bit of release. But but obviously enough, there's uh, we we just have to make sure we do it the right way and and do it for the right reason. You know.
Yeah, no, that's the thing. Matches would be very, very difficult. But even, you know, the pitches to open up and so lads could go in, you know, and have a puck around, have a kick around. Like you could fit 15 fellas on a pitch easily and they'd be nowhere near each other, you know, and they could that's it, you know, that's, get that's a bit it. done. I think, I think even just the, a ball between two and kicking it over and back or, or pucking it over and back, I think there's loads of room for that. And, and even you'd say, look, I'm, I'm sure there's young lads and I'm involved with the under-9s in the club and, and that kind of stuff. And I'd say they'd just give out and get 20 minutes of just belting the ball over and back. No no coach and no structure, just ball between two lads and belt away there. And I think that's all they'd want at this stage, you know. So um, hopefully, look, hopefully that will stay online and we'll, we'll be able to do that, even if it's for people even to go up in their own time. I think that's what a lot of people like to do in their downtime is go up to the local pitch and, and have a bit of a kick around or a puck around. So at least that, that, that'd that be something. Yeah, exactly. Eddie, come here. Thanks for taking the call. No bother at all, Willie. All the best. Rise and shine, winter's gone and summer's fine. Wake up, wake up, wake up, rise and shine. All right, Brian, so performance of the weekend. Um, PJ Ryan, like Christ Almighty, what a game that man um, played. The save from Callanan was freakish. He saved from Own Kelly, which was an easier one because uh, Own Kelly slipped, and then he had a great save from Noel McGrath. I, I'm sure I'm leaving out one as well, but that um, Own Kelly went for a 21. Oh, that was it. He saved that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but to save on Callanan, like this was freakish. Like I don't know, I don't want to run down this save, but was there an element of luck to this? Because this looked to me like it was more ball to hurl than hurl to ball, if you know what I mean. Like I'm not, I, I don't want to run it down because he had to get use his coordination to get it up in that area but it was hit so bloody hard like is he getting the, the hurl to that ball or is that just a complete timing issue where his hurl is being lifted up and just freakishly times at exactly the point where a bullet is, is going into the net um, you get my yeah, point I do I think yeah probably a little bit injustice to PJ Ryan I think it was an unbelievable save and I think that goes back to like any good goalkeeper, years and years of practice at that that thing, and just came off in the biggest game of all time for him. Like that's oh. one of the best. That's, I'd say that's the best save I've ever seen in a hurling. Yeah. In in all Ireland anyway, definitely. Yeah, you know, uh, just a phenomenal save. Now, I I I think of Joe Quay, the couple of saves he made in in the '96 All Ireland um, from Gary Laffin, when we reviewed that, they were phenomenal too. But you know. To me, this was a certain goal, yeah, and a, a, just a, a brilliant say, brilliant. Owen Kelly's one. Owen certainly slipped, and like if ever there was a moment for Owen Kelly, you know, oh Mary's greatest forward of a generation, you know, you'd have put um, your house on Kelly, bury it. Your house on him, and yeah. you know he just feet went under from, and he wasn't the only one to slip that day. A lot of players slipped, you know, and he was wearing moldies as well. Um, but still, do you know what? That was still a, a fair save from, from PJ Ryan because it was low into the corner. There wasn't pace on it, but he still had a lot to do to actually get down to it and, and get a hurt of it. And he barely got there. Um, so it was still a save. And you see Noel McGrath was on the outside of Kelly, you know, looking for the pass. But, you know, the, okay, yeah, he was available for the pass. But if Kelly had held his feet, you would have, you would have backed him all day to score that goal. Oh, you would have. And in fairness, it was a brilliant ball by Lar, who kind of a reverse ball going back the other way, you know, and left Kelly, all the Kilkenny defenders kind of following Lar like sheep and left yeah. Kelly completely free. 
and 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 a brilliant pass by Corwick as well. Brilliant off the hurl. Oh, for the Callum one. For Callum one as well. So two yeah. brilliant pieces of play that created those goals going up June. And that's what I'm talking about where the temporary mindset or, or psyche after that game was look, we can create these goals going opportunities and if we take them, we can beat them. So I think that's that's where that, that arose out of, you know. Yeah, so like, I mean, PJ Ryan is the very obvious, um, very obvious choice. He didn't really do much with his puckouts. Like, I mean, like Eddie was saying there, in the second half, they had some dreadful stats under puckouts. So whether PJ is at blame for that, you know, for not mixing it up enough, I don't know. But then again, Tipperary were trying to mix up the short puckouts and that wasn't working well for them at all. I have to laugh. Kilkenny mixing up puckouts in <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. in that era. Are you mad? Yeah. Like, seriously. Well, even uh, mix up where he was going with them. I yeah. can't actually remember exactly where he was going with them, but Tipperary half back line was everywhere, but but driving as long as he could. But sure, even look look at the style of hurling that Kilkenny actually play. Like, my God, it was so hard and forwards. Like the Tommy getting the ball, just driving it. JJ the same. Whoever Brian Hogan just they just got the ball and lumped it up the field. Even coming into the home home stretches, like there was some. There was a big a lot of open space out in the Cusick stand side and they still got the ball and lumped it straight down the field. Yeah. So it was very hard to be a forward under Eckle Kenny um, kind of with the ball that was coming in. But that just shows how good these players were. They could win it anyway. I think, I, yeah, I think John O'Brien for tips stood out as a fella who was trying to pick out passes. He kept trying to pick out Kelly with a good pass. You know, like, I mean... Yeah. No, John, John O'Brien was was, was yeah. supremely talented and usually brilliant in the air. That just shows how good Tommy was on the day and how good he was in the air in general. You know, John O'Brien didn't feature in the air at all. Um, Pat Horwick had a couple of great snaps, by the way, but he got in the second half in particular, he became hell bent in trying to score and took some I know. very, very poor decisions in, in terms of shot selections and had a couple of very poor wides. I don't remember him at all. You know, that was a name that jumped out at me yesterday going, who's that lad? I, you know, I yeah, remember he was only on the scene for, he was, he was a good underage player an under 21 hurler for Tipperary and, and, you know, breaking onto the scene and, you know, Tipperary did something similar with Grode Ryan there in, in 2014 as well and came back again, you know, so, you know, they had this this habit of bringing in this this wing forward that kind of was, was um, kind of gave them some, a, a different type of an option. Uh, yeah, so Kerwick was a worker but he, then he got notions that he could score in the second half and, he had a poor wide at the very start of the game as well you know off his right side which he, he would favour um, the very first wide of the game actually you know he would would have expected to score so like John Henderson didn't feature much in that game now at all he, he was under a lot of pressure for, for the whole game yeah, Tommy Walsh is another one. I think if there was a man of the match performance at half time, Tommy Walsh and Eddie Brennan would probably be the top two. Well, well, I'll get to Lar and Lar and Owen Kelly would have been between the four of them. They were the ones um, really standing up. Tommy Walsh stormed into it in the first half with a brilliant point and a few spectacular catches. Um, you know, probably not as as prominent in the second half, but definitely a first half himself and Eddie Brennan. Like Eddie Brennan's third point was sensational. Yeah, brilliant. But just to go back to Tommy for a second, in the home stretches in the last four or five minutes, caught an unbelievable ball in the forest of hurls. Yeah. Came out with another ball on the ground. He just mopped up ball when they needed him. You know, half back, half back in the arse. He was sitting right on top of the, the twenty one at that stage, you know. They were they were defending the goal um for their lives at that stage. But uh no, Tommy he, as you said, just unbelievable in that first half. Won absolutely everything. His his positioning sense was brilliant. Obviously, though, the Tipperary half forwards tried to pull off them and cause them trouble from that perspective. Uh, John O'Brien did try that, but it just it was one of those days where John O'Brien it didn't work. You know, he, as you said, he tried to play some nice ball inside, but even overhit them simple passes, and it just 
poor first touch. It just didn't work out for him. But as you Eddie Brennan now, his first half performance, he gave Brendan Marin a target. Yeah. Destroyed him, yeah. Really did destroy one, you know, one a brilliant uh, high ball as well, and one a free, you know, just everywhere. And as you said, the third point, you know, the shimmy, cut back on his favourite right and over the shoulder, just a a brilliant score. And he set up Michael Fenley for a very important score in the second half. So there's five points in that game that he's directly responsible for. Like, and like I was talking to him about, this is on the back of two All Ireland final man of the matches in 07, 08. And, you know, he's in the shake up again in 09. You know, he's really flying it at that stage, corner forward or wing forward. Yeah, and that, and that was it. Like, look, Eddie had a steeliness to his game that probably went a little bit unnoticed outside of, you know, probably Kilkenny or those that maybe were playing against him. Um, tough as nails was Eddie. And, you know, he really strong in the challenge. He, he totally transformed his game probably from when he broke on the scene first. And, you know, he, like like probably a lot of those Kilkenny players at the time, they had to get their right of passage um, and bring the physicality stakes up and the work rate up. And brilliant hook at one stage as well from James Woodlock got back up the field and, and dispossessed him. So it just shows, you know, he brought all those aspects to his game and that's what made him into the hurler he was. You know, Cody... You know, he dropped him after, you know, he got an all-star for, for a brilliant performance against Galway when Galway beat them um, in 0-5. But Cody dropped him the following year. So, you know, he had to work hard to get back onto it. And that, I suppose, was the measure of what Cody did with these players. And that's what kept them on their toes for so long. And, and that's why they became the greatest team of all time. Yeah, no, he definitely did. Like, I mean, he wasn't in it as much in the second half, but nobody really was from Kilkenny. Like, I mean, there was a stat in the second half. In the first 22 minutes of the second half, Tip had 13 scoring chances and Kilkenny had four. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And that, like, this is what I'm saying where, you know, Tipperary, I, I keep saying it, I'd thrown the kitchen sink at them and they just hadn't put hadn't put Kilkenny away and they'd left them in the game. You know, and as you said, we never know what would have happened if the penalty had to come or not. But, you know, Tip were out in their feet though coming down that home stretches at the same time. Yeah, Lark Harbit, uh, four from play. Like, he's a big game player. He was up for it too, wasn't he? He kind of gave a little fist pump and so did Owen Kelly. They gave that little fist pump for every one of their scores, you know, and he was roaming from 11. He got his three points off Brian Hogan, I think, um, in the first half. And his third one was a beauty. And then he got a really important one in the second half as well. Yeah, the fist pump was big on the Tipperary agenda that day. Anyway, every one of them, <laughs> any ball caught or free one or point scored, there was a big fist pump. I was fond of one myself in the day, but by just they brought it to a new level that day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Lar, no, Lar was brilliant and he caused real consternation because the rotating in the forward line obviously was was causing trouble for the Kilkenny defence and they didn't know whether to follow them or not. And, you know, at times Michael Cavanaugh wasn't sure was he supposed to be picking them up or was he gone to centre forward and Brian Hogan should be picking them up. And it wasn't probably until Jackie Turl actually picked Went them up. Went on him, yeah. yeah. When, and he followed him. Um, yeah, when Benny Dunn was actually taken off, do you know that they ah right Dunn, yeah, no, you know, or taken off, sent off, I meant, you know, where Michael Cavanaugh went as the spare man. That was the the time that probably they started to notify, uh, you know, Carbet at that stage. But he'd done serious damage, you know, four pints and won a couple of frees. Used all his experience there at one stage, um, to to draw the free off Brian Hogan. Brian Hogan got yellow card for it. You know, he 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 just flicked it off him and did the right thing, got his body in front of Brian Hogan um, and no, it stopped him getting him out to it. Uh, but Brian Hogan, that was a soft yellow actually for Brian Hogan for that because, he, you know, the two of them were tangling and trying to get the ball and Brian Hogan was hell-bent and trying to get to the ball and I, I thought it was a soft yellow, you know. 
Yeah, no, it was. Like, Brian Hogan didn't have a good day at the office because Shane McKellen went out on him and scored three three uh, points from play off him um, in the second half. So Shane McKellen definitely deserves a mention. He was outstanding, especially when you think of the hit he took off Jackie, which was a frontal challenge. And it was, it was all it was, was a free in. But Jackie rattled him and it was a sore dart into the stomach and probably getting winded at the start of an All-Ireland. He didn't get much change off JJ, but he, he, he had a brilliant second half. Yeah, and he took another big hit in the first half as well. <clears throat> he broke through on goal, and John Hennison actually turned him upside down as well. Um, now oh, he ball, did. He, I don't know where he, he was going with that. He should have stepped yeah. going straight at that. He he angled out to the right. Is that the one? The, yeah, the one I'm yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, but, but no, you're right. He he had a, a great game. He was very. He got into. He scored two points there in one minute. You know, he got he got a good score, and then you know got another one where the two Kilkenny defenders you know stood off him, and, and you know he. Got, got a brilliant point and then you know dispossessed Michael Kavanagh really well and, and hit the ball and he actually came off the post and came over the bar so you know really good you know but like it's amazing too like we, we talk about TJ Reid only coming on Michael Fenley only coming on you know Shamie Callan today is, is the hurler of the year last year but he you know he while he was brilliant in that All-Ireland he still struggled to hold down a place for a few years after that yeah no he definitely did he definitely did Owen Kelly 13 points 3 from play um Owen Kelly doesn't usually get easy points. They're usually spectacular ones. His third one was is absolutely sensational. Missed one one sixty five after it was after the, his own goal chance or after Callanan's goal chance. He missed yeah. that sixty five, but didn't miss much all day. Like I mean, gave JJ plenty of trouble in the first half. Um, or was it JJ? I think JJ was moved on him because he was giving Jackie loads of trouble mm. in the first half. Is that right? Yeah. So he got he got a good point off Jackie at the very start, uh, and then JJ obviously went on and he had a right battle with JJ. Yeah. Off for the rest of they were mounting at each other and there was yeah, yeah. timber. There was one ball where you know a sideline cut for Tipperary off down the field. It actually never, you know, it, it uh, never went onto the field to play. So they had to. I think it went back for another or went off. You know, kind of went on and came back on again, and the two boys pulled the right one on each other and yeah. went off mountain each other. So there was a lot, of, a lot of kind of going on there between those in that battle. Um, but the the one I found for Owen, I forgot about this, was the free he missed uh, with about four minutes to go. And oh, you hit the hurl, yeah. Yeah, Michael Rice was standing in front of him, and anyone that knew Owen Kelly and knew Tipperary. Everyone knew to stand close to Owen under those frees. He hit the ball with such a low trajectory and with such pace. But if he could get there, if he could get, you know, by those couple of yards inside, whatever the a lot of distance was, you know, you could maybe, and like like what Michael Rice did, he jumped and he got the hurl to it, you know. So uh, that was a big moment because, you know, if they had to, had to pull the back in. Was know, that putting three that, in it? Was that, that putting, was putting back three in it? Yeah. Yeah. So like, look, Mike made a massive difference, but, uh, uh, you know, at at the same time, you know, these, these are ones you would expect it on to actually nail. You know. Yeah. So oh, there was that sixty-five and that free. Yeah, I forgot. I've actually forgotten about that free um, at that stage. So maybe Michael Rice might have been uh, robbing a couple of meters. Yeah, and and jumped as well, which you're not allowed to do. But you see, these are things you get away with, and these 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 are the small things that sometimes tip it in in your edge. So, yeah, it was uh, frenzied. Know, so. It was frenzied at that stage. Like all exactly. bets were off at that stage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. it was. Um, you, I have to say there was some unbelievable scores in the game. Like I mean, Henry's score from play, his only score from play. Um, TJ's score from play. Shane McGrath's score from play. Owen Kelly's three scores from play, Lars third one, Jackie Tyrrell's long range one, Tommy Walsh's one. Like I mean, there was some unbelievable, um, unbelievable points scored in the game. 
Oh, phenomenal. I'm going to say this. For me, it was the greatest All-Ireland of all time. I know really? people reference 14 and it was a massive shootout and, and you know, obviously the massive talking points as well. But I remember coming away from that game going, oh my good God. Like, yeah. this is phenomenal. I you know I was playing at the time as well. And I know games, when you're looking at them, kind of feel like they're, you know, they're obviously, they feel even bigger than... than than uh, when you're actually involved in the middle of it. But I remember coming away from that going, oh my God, the standard out there today is phenomenal. Like, wouldn't you love to be out there? But at the same time, half scary, like, you know. So, <laughs> um, like, it was just f- phenomenal stuff. And, I, like, for me, it ranks up there with, with I, I, for me, the, the best I've ever seen. Yeah. Another thing that jumped out at me was the pace of Owen Larkin, something he wasn't wasn't really known. Well, maybe he wasn't just now. Sometimes I think he say that players aren't known for something just because I don't I don't remember it. Mm. But uh, he's he'd some he'd some turn of pace. Now, he was wasteful in the game. It's not the best game I've ever seen Owen Larkin playing. No, but <clears throat> Owen Larkin did what became known as Larky time. Come the last 10 minutes, as, as I say, when the shorts come out, that's Larky time. Um, <laughs> so... You know, big, big play in the last five, ten minutes. Yeah. He had four point scoring opportunities, scored two of them, you know, and would have put he's put your house in them, scored the other two as well. You know, he rushed one of them where he intercepted a hand pass for Tipperary and you know, at all the time in the world to put over the bar had yeah. a poor shot. But he, he, he won big ball. You know, he was in full forward for a while there and Polly Myron was winning ball and you know, a brilliant score I thought where he sidestepped Paddy Stapleton. You know, he ran straight at him beautiful jink out to the right but there's what I'm talking about where Paddy was probably out on his feet at the time whereas Larky you know he still had that fitness residual fitness to keep going and, and um, brilliant hurler brilliant hurler I know I know that's not in question but like as I said Larky time came to the fore as always yeah, well that's a new one on me Larky time I like that one I definitely do so look it's fairly obvious who's man of the match here even though I like geez, I feel guilty for, for criticising his puck outs and even suggesting that the save was was, was, <laughs> was <laughs> PJ Ryan is the worthy winner of performance the weekend he was the standout player in the game despite what my stupid opinions uh, might be even trying to suggest um, you have no qualms about Colin PJ Ryan he was the official oh, man of the match as well but it was very obvious was it you could say Tommy Walsh was the only one coming close to him maybe on the Kilkenny side who won the match. Yeah, no, no, I fully agree. Like, look, I think the thing with the Kilkenny defence probably up to then was James McGarry was usually, you know, was in goal for years and never really got tested. And yeah. he was a brilliant goalie, but the Kilkenny defence was so good that uh, they were never able to break inside. Uh, but well, didn't didn't McGarry, didn't McGarry never get an all-star and no, then PJ Ryan was third one. choice and then PJ Ryan got an all-star this year, didn't he? Yeah, that's right, yeah. So it was amazing the fraud McGarry and all the other he won, you know, never got the All Star and Peter Ryan gets one then. But that probably goes back to uh, he was called into action on that day and, and by God did he stand up. But McGarry was a brilliant goalkeeper too. He was you know, people probably didn't realise how good he was because as I said he wasn't tested enough. But he he did brilliant um awareness in the goal and used to cover the angles really well. So he made Difficult saves look really routine. Right. Um, but, you know, as we, as I know, I'm talking about McGarry now, but look, PJ Ryan, definitely worthy winner that, um, the man of the match and the All Star. And of course, Woolies, man of the match. <laughs> okay, Brian, thanks very much um, for that. We'll talk to you again. We'll be back on Thursday with another show. We have a surprise interview for you all on Thursday, and we'll let you know more about it coming up to that. Talk to you then. Good luck. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, 
We're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 